I looked around the building this morning. Looked at all you and maybe you have to pardon me a bit. It brought tears to my eyes. To see a church. A real, live, thriving church. And it's been here a while. We have some real godly people here. People that are sincere. Some of you have stuck it out for, for a long time. Some of you are more new here. Not so many probably really, but we prayed and prayed and prayed and This is not the end, but this is certainly just a time. Maybe we can look at it a little bit and say, see what God has done. The title of my message this morning is, What is Life All About? I thought about the 17 over there. They're probably asking some of the same questions. They're probably getting real deep into their hearts and their lives a little bit and saying, okay, what is life about? Their priorities and their views of things have probably, the priorities that, that didn't used to be priorities have probably become priorities. What I mean by that is, they're looking at this, their future and saying, now I'm called upon to be faithful. Now I'm called upon in the face of persecutors, at least kidnappers, nappers or abductors. I'm called upon to let the light of Jesus shine. And I suppose some of them are even saying, and I don't know, of course, I've never been in their place. Some of them are even saying, Lord, I don't want to be fearful. I want to be brave. I want to be strong. I want to be courageous. I want to stand strong for you without any uh, without fear. I suppose some of them, that, that has become a priority to them. When they were back here in the States or wherever they were, the, the aspect, and we, we have very little fear of fear here. We've got good police protection. We've got good government. We've got, it just things are going pretty well. Now, I'll grant you, I think they're going downhill and they're going downhill pretty fast. But we still have some pretty pleasant and easy way of living here. <clears throat> And I guess my message this morning, I thought of them. My message this morning has to do with we who have made this commitment. We are going to walk with God. We're going to walk with Christ. We're going to be faithful. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to be be an encouragement this morning. So what is life all about? I look at you young men, you young ladies, and, I, and, and, and I've said this lots of times probably, but I look at you and think, you, you probably, generally speaking, you don't see the life from the same perspective that I do. 
I don't see myself as old, but you may see me, see me that way. I don't know. I'm 64 years old. And yet, when I look out of life, look at life ahead, I don't have the visions and the dreams of what am I going to do with my life and, and what can I, what about my companion? What about my marriage? What about, and even young ones have children. What about our children and, and how can I make a living and all those kind of things? I don't, I don't, that's, that is, that's not mine anymore. But it is yours. And that's okay. But I want to encourage us this morning that there is something to life that we need to keep in mind all the time. Life is not just about our present circumstances and enjoying them. There is a vision beyond. There is something beyond that we need to look forward to, we need to look out at, and we need to keep that in mind. And there's going to be several things I want to talk about. So this morning, as I stand before you, I want to I want to commend uh, particularly here just real quick, Brother Cameron and Brother Neil this morning. I want to commend them. I asked them yesterday, I think it was, if they would share a little bit. Now, what they shared both last night, what Brother Cameron shared and what Brother Neil shared this morning. That didn't happen just because I asked them to. That happened because they put a heart into it. And they probably spent some time thinking about this ahead of time and thinking what they would say and how they would say it and where they would go and just putting things together. For some of us, that comes harder than others. But thank you, Brother Neil and Brother Cameron, for your willingness to stand and, and preach the word and be able and willing to expend your energies for, what, for that. It, it took some time and some effort, and I just bless you for it. <clears throat> Okay. Reality is, this is reality. While you may live to be 95 years old, you may die at 55, I don't know. But you may live a long time. The reality is, death is coming. There will be an end to everything that's here for you. If the Lord tarries in at least 100 years from now, and maybe even less than that, Every single person will be gone and there'll be somebody new sitting here that's not sitting here now. And those people that are going to be sitting here, they're going to have received from you something that is going to be a, a benefit and a blessing to them in their life. Or they're going to have not have received from you something. Putting on us the responsibility that we're not just living for ourselves, but we've got somebody coming after us that's going to be living some way, partly because I have influenced them. That's what life is about. One thing. I want to say this first. While I'm going to talk to you about some of these physical, practical things, life is in the end of things, and I'll say this at the end, but the, in the end of things, in the end of life, what life is all about is what we have done for the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom. That is the ultimate end of things. How we get there, I want to talk a little bit about that. How we're going to do that. How we're going to accomplish what God has for us about what life is all about. We all have responsibilities. We all have things to do. But I emphasize this, I want to emphasize this, and I want to make this clear to the end. 
But we don't give up. We are a people that are walking with God and God has put His Spirit in us and we have some disappointments. We may have some setbacks. We may have some things we have to deal with, but we don't give up. Amen? Amen. We don't give up. There's a... And this is very carnal and very... very. uh, Maybe I shouldn't even say it, but I'm going to say it. There's a saying... There's a two words, I think they're Latin, I think, that the United States Marines use. Semper Fidelis. That means always faithful. That's us. That's you and I. When we make our commitment and we give our heart to Christ, we commit to being always faithful. Always. There's not an option. To, to, to choose an option is treason. To choose an option is it, it, it's turning away. It's turning around. It's, I can't think of another word. It's treason. It's, it's not doing what you committed to do. It's turning and giving your, your energies to the enemy and taking them away from your friends. We don't give up. I know you all know that. But I just want to impress it on your minds. We are of the kingdom. We are of the people that we don't give up. We keep going. <clears throat> I mean, we can look in the, in, the, in the Bible of many Old Testament characters or even New Testament characters and we can look at Job and what did he do? I mean, he was encouraged by his wife, just give up and die. And all his friends were telling him all the things he did wrong and all those kind of things. But Job held on. And then God had something to say to Job. He said, Job, yeah, you have um, you have some needs. You can't do maybe quite what you think you can do. Can you do this and that? Can you make the wind blow? I don't know what all God said there. And the answer is no. God said, Job, you need to depend on me. And we could look at lots of them. Moses, there he was. Growing up to be the, the, the next Pharaoh or at least a man with many, much power, much authority. It's taken away from him. And even, and even you take Moses farther on then when he went up on the mountain that day and he said, God, no, God told him, he said, Moses, stand back. I'm going to destroy this people. I'm just going to take and just destroy him and I'll make something of you. And Job and Moses said, "No, you can't do that. All the work we put into this, all the things you've done, all the, all that. These are your people." He said, "I don't know if it's that time or another time." He said, "Don't destroy the people. You can destroy me, but don't destroy the people." <clears throat> Moses wasn't willing to give up. And you could go on down. David, Samson, even he had the he had the. Um, he knew he did wrong. He put in prison. Took away his strength. Disappointing to him, I'm sure. <clears throat> and you could go on down through there. But I want to tell you this morning, and I want us to kind of get a, try to get a picture of this. The church is an army. And in armies, there are battles. Armies face battles. And in battles, there's casualties. In battles, there's people that are hurt. People that are injured, people that fall, people that can't get up anymore, people that just simply 
give up. That, that happens in battles. I sat around here last night with the, well, not last night, well, last night, but I mean at the brothers' meeting, Friday night. And I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think every chair was filled. If one chair would suddenly become empty, that person got up and walked away. We'd miss that person. There's a hole there. That person is the very person that needs us to go and help him, talk to him. Nobody did. But when we, when we fight battles in this world, and we're, we're struggling with things, we're tempted with things, and sometimes a soldier falls. It happens. What our responsibility is, each one of us, what our responsibility is to be the first one to go help that person. We're strong enough. We have the strength in us. We have the fortitude in us. We're able to go help. That's one thing we do. That's what happens in battles. Men get hurt. It's our responsibility to go help that person. That's what life is about. That's what life is about. I read a little, little. Um, it's not a poem, it's a little quote here. If we can't fly, if we can't fly, we run. If we can't run, we walk. If we can't walk, we crawl. But we don't give up. We never stop moving. Brother Neil talked about drift and, and sliding and those kind of things and just moving away. That's what happens when you, when you quit crawling if that's all you can do. That's what happens when you quit crawling. You begin to slide. You begin to drift. We've made this commitment. Each one of us have made a commitment. That have made the commitment. That we're going to walk with God. I talked to a young lady this morning. And she's committed her life. And she said. That regardless the cost. I don't know if she said these exact words. Regardless the cost. I am going to pay it. And keep going. And all of you who have committed your life to Christ. Have said the same thing. Jesus, when he heard you say whatever all you said, and you maybe didn't say it this many words, what he heard you say was, I'm not going to turn back. <clears throat> we have an army. We're fighting on the side of our king. We're working in his vineyard. We're running his race. We're dying to our flesh, walking in his spirit, trusting in him. We're resting in his grace and his strength. We're accepting the circumstances around us that we cannot change. Because we take them to be as from Him. And with Him, all things are possible. And with Him, when, we, when any circumstance we have, any circumstance we have, we trust in Him. We put our faith in Him. We walk with Him. We depend on Him. He will give us the grace to walk through that thing. Keep our trust in Him. Keep our eyes on Him. That's what He will do. That's the kind of king. That's the kind of commander. That's the kind of, of help we have. And that's who he wants us to be. He said, I will never forsake you. In all of your trials, in all of your temptations, all of your struggles. He said, I will never forsake you. You stay with me. I will stay with you.
You know, I fully expect, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, I want you to know that, but I fully expect there's people sitting here that are hurting. Something in their heart hurts. They've been insulted some way or they've been neglected some way or they've been feel like they've been rejected some way or or they've been tempted and weren't able to overcome that temptation they're hurting i don't know i don't know who it is i'm not even thinking of anybody in particular but i want you to realize we have hurts and i may be talking to you we have hurts there's there's pain in there and it's like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to walk on. I don't know what to, how to handle this situation. And, and then there's a temptation for the blame and the temptation for bitterness. And there's a temptation for anger. There's those temptations. I don't know. I don't know who. I'm not thinking about anybody, but I don't know who. But if there's somebody here that way, let's, let's remember them. Let's think about that a little bit. There's people here with hurts. And maybe if they aren't here right now hurting, they may be hurting someday. In our commitment to follow Christ, He calls us brothers. He calls us sisters. He calls us His family. I don't know if He says it in that many words in the King James. But He calls us that. And, and a family is bound together by, a, by blood. When we are born into a natural family here, it's, it's, it's my children have mine and, and Anne's blood in them. It's, it's just, it's a bondage. It's a bonding there. Now, when, when we come into the family of God, we're bound together by blood. And we all know what that blood is. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. We're all bound together. So now we have a responsibility to each other. I am your brother. You are my sister. We have a responsibility. One, stay faithful. And number two, while our relationship is this way, it's also this way. This way is where I gather my, my resources, my energies, my strengths, my arms, and I reach out to you and I'm, I'm, I lift you up some way. <clears throat> That's what life is about. Brother Neil talked this morning about nobility. Briefly. And he, I don't know if he asked the question or not. I wrote on my paper as a note. I said, so are we noble? Are we? I forget what word he said there. What word did you use there, Brother Neil? There was another word. Uh, I can't. I wrote it here, but now I can't find it. I don't know what it was now. Nobility to me means, like Brother Neil said, it is, it is people who have been born into a, a certain class. So I asked myself, am I noble? Then I had to say, wait a minute. No, that's not the right question. It should be a statement. I am noble. I have been born into a, a class that is everlasting. The class of the king that is all powerful. I've been born into this heavenly world. I am noble. Amen. Amen. 
I am noble. Don't let it down. Don't let your class down. There's a, there's a kingdom depending on you. Don't let them down. Don't let us down. Don't let me down. I don't want to let you down. We're part of a kingdom that has a different set of rules, a different set of standards than the kingdom of the world. Our kingdom is a very small, tiny kingdom compared to the kingdom of the world. Jesus said the, the path to uh, the kingdom, I forget how he said it, is very narrow. There's going to be a few people walking on it. But the path to the world is going to be wide and broad and be a lot of people on it. Our kingdom is very small. Small as it is, small as it is, our kingdom is one of power, one of strength, one of victory. That's our kingdom. That's our kingdom. When you struggle in your life with, with temptations and you sometimes you may even fall, you remember, just remember, you've been born into a kingdom of victorious people. You are victorious. You have the opportunity and the grace and the strength to rise above that thing and come out of that thing. And you have the power to walk on on truth. You have the power because you have committed your life to Christ. You have the power to walk where no other people cannot walk. The world cannot walk where you can walk. You can walk in strength and in grace and in power. You can walk in victory. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. We can walk in victory. I want you to remember that. That's what life is about. Life is not about a defeated, dejected people trudging through life, barely able to make it. Life is about a a people who have a smile on their face, have joy in their heart and joy in their face. And they're walking forward and they know where they're going. That's what we are. Each of us has different gifts and different responsibilities. My responsibilities is not always the same as yours. My gifts are not the same as yours. The gifts I have, my abilities, my, my, the, the responsibilities I have, all those things. Yours is different from mine and yours is different from your brothers and your sisters. They're all different. But in every one of us, in every one of us, irregardless what the responsibilities are, what the authority may be, what the, uh, the giftings may be, God wants us to take those things that we have and and walk with those things and do the very best we can do. That's what God wants. You don't don't look at your brother, or your sister and say. He does that better than me. I wish I could do it as good as he does. It's not wrong to desire to attain to the highest possible possible level that you want to. That's good. You you, you do that. You keep your eye there. But what God wants you to do is go forward and use all of your gifts. All of your abilities. That's what he wants you to do. You may not be able to do it as good or like somebody else. But God just wants you to do your very best. You do this. It's not so much position as direction where you are. God is not so concerned if you're back here. 
you're back here just learning about things in the scriptures and, and, and you're, you're, you're a baby Christian, God's not so concerned about that as he is if you're going the direction you're going. Thank you, young man. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I want you to remember that. Don't get discouraged because you're not where somebody else is. Now, you may look at your life and say, I'm not where I should be, not where I'd like to be. And then you may analyze yourself and say, that's because I haven't put enough effort into it. That's because it's my fault. Don't blame somebody else. It's not somebody else's fault if you're not where you'd like to be. We all have different gifts. But I want to encourage you. What life is about is exercising in everything God has given you. Everything God has given you, He didn't give you not enough to attain to something you can't attain to. He gave you enough to attain to what He wants you to attain to. I'll get practical here in a little bit. In Romans 14, if you want to turn there, you may. Romans 14, verse 13. I've written it down here on my notes. Romans 14, 13. He says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Let's quit judging other people. He said, but judge this rather. This is what I want you to judge. This is what I want you to determine. This is what I want you to decide. Judge this rather. He says, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. That you be very careful that you are not hurting somebody else or hindering somebody else. Judge that in yourself. If you want to judge something, judge that. But don't look at somebody else and say, ah, I, they're doing it wrong and, and they ought to, they're whatever you want to judge. How you want to look at that? But judge rather, look at yourself. That if there's anything, any judgment to be done, first of all, judge yourself. That's what life is about. That's what life is about. He goes on, next couple verses down. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. If thy brother be grieved with what you are doing. Maybe you should stop doing what you're doing. If you're stumbling your brother. Because he said. It's not in charity. It's not in love. You know, Paul says the greatest of these is charity. Um, what is it? Faith and what's the great the other two? Help me out. Faith, hope, and love. Thank you. Faith and hope and love. Great thing. Beautiful thing. Wonderful thing. But the greatest is charity. So therefore, when you consider what you're doing, consider also what it's doing to somebody else. Consider also what it might do to somebody else. It just might stumble them. Whatever you're doing. You may be able to do a certain thing and it's no problem to you. And you can't even see why it'd be a problem to anybody else. But if it is, walk charitably. <clears throat> a couple verses on down. In Romans 14, so this is 17. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, 
but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what life is about. Life is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what life is about. It's not about what you can get out of life for your own physical benefit. There can be benefits there. And we enjoy, enjoy benefits from physically. We enjoy those things. But that, that's not the purpose of life. And then Romans fourteen nineteen he says, Therefore, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Let's pursue those things that make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. <clears throat> so young people. All people. When you get dressed in the morning. I can talk to the boys and girls alike. When you get dressed in the morning. You ask yourself. Am I walking charitably? Am I not stumbling anybody else? What am I doing? Why do I wear the things I wear? Why do I comb my hair the way I do? All those things. And, and those are just some real practical things. You could, you could go on out into many other things. Ask yourself that. Remember, you are nobility. You have a, have a responsibility to hold up a high standard, a high calling. That's what God asks you to do because He's your King. And someday... Someday, irregardless how much uh, trials and suffering and problems and things you've gone through, all the, the sacrifices you've made, it's going to all fall into nothingness and say, that was nothing compared to what I am receiving. I talked briefly quick earlier about the church and this church. <clears throat> what I see here, and I'm not going to go into this very deep, but what I see here in this church, I see a lot of things. But one thing I see, I see a love and a unity among your people, among the brethren and the sisters. I see that. And you know, that didn't happen coincidentally. That didn't happen just because you decided you'd come to Valley Christian Fellowship. You made a choice, especially you moms and dads. You young people are making choices too. But I want to encourage you, make a choice. You are making a choice. You made a choice to be here this morning. You made a choice to wear what you wore this morning. You made a choice to come here. You made a choice to be the way you are. You made that choice. <clears throat> now, you have created this, this entity right here. That's what you've done. You've created it. I say you have. We'll give the credit to God. He's the one that brought all this to be. But we made our choices. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Christ being the head. We are his body. We are given a responsibility to make that body holy, righteous, we're, we have a given responsibility to make that body what He wants it to be. And He tells us what He wants it to be. That's, that's our calling. That's what life is about. That's what life is about.
Sure. We have to go to work every day. We make our living. We earn our money. We buy our things. Sure. I'm not, I'm not decrying that in any way, shape, or form. We have that responsibility. That's, Paul says, if any man will not work, neither should he eat. And he that doesn't do that is worse than an infidel. Okay, that, that's a given. We understand that. We believe that. That's the way it is. But let me, but let me also put first before that this body of Christ that we are a part of and we are making it into something. Every one of us has an influence, puts a flavor in this thing, puts a color in this thing, and it becomes a color. It becomes a flavor. That's what life is about. That's what life is about. Some practical things. Faith. That seems, that can be a bit spiritual. And it is. But it's also very, very practical. It's believing that God says what He said and you're going to obey it. And that becomes practical. That becomes practical because I have committed that I will always be faithful. It becomes practical because I am flavoring the body of Christ. I am, I am doing something. I'm putting forth something that's making this, this aroma that comes from this church something. It smells some way because of who I am. Don't underestimate your value. I, I, I want to emphasize that from the youngest to the oldest. Don't underestimate your value. You can't say, I'm just a young person, or I'm just this, or I'm just that. No, that's not the way it is. You are nobility. You're the child of a king. And you don't give up. Love. I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't love everybody else. That's a pretty broad statement. I think it's true. But I'd like you to go a little deeper than that. And you know, it's just like this. Just like I said earlier. The kind of love I'm talking about, the kind of love I want to cultivate in me, and I want you to cultivate in you, is the love that goes to the brother or the sister that you have the least commonality with and make an effort to bless them some way. I want you to, if you see somebody that you know might be struggling, I want you to put forth an effort to help them. Whether it's weekly, daily, monthly, whatever it is. I want you to put forth an effort. That's love. Love puts forth that effort and pays the price to fulfill the commitment. And that, that's, what, that's what life is about. That's what life is about. It's not about these things we see. You know, what's the, what's the scripture? I didn't write this down either. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen because they are eternal. Something like that. Something to that effect. That's what life is about. It's those unseen things that are eternal. That's what life is about. Obedience. Number three, obedience. Young people gain the approval of your father when you, when you do what he says. When you obey him. And that's, that's a blessing. Not only do you gain from it, but so does Papa gain from it. It's a blessing. It just, it just creates a bond that draws the father and the child together. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with God. I obey God. 
Whatever he asks me to do, I obey him. He says, well done. Well done. And there's a connection. Number four, communion with our Lord and with our brothers and sisters. And I'm not necessarily talking about what we did last night. I'm talking about this common union. I'm talking about developing that. I'm talking about this, this fellowship, this agreement between us, this, this thing that flows between. This thing, this, that, I don't know how to say it. That feeling, if that's the right word, word to use. That feeling I have when I look into, I think I could say, every single one of your eyes. There's a communion. There's a common thing there. I've cultivated that. You have cultivated that. That's what life is about. I can tell you a lot of things what life is not about. But I just want you to focus on things about what life is about. <clears throat> maybe going a little bit deeper. And I think I said this last, last evening maybe. I think I did. But I'm going to say it again. Whenever we have a situation that we have to do something with, say Dennis here, he decides he wants to wear inappropriate clothing. So I go to Dennis and I say, no, everybody knows Dennis wouldn't do that. That's why I chose him. <laughs> I go to Dennis. I say, Dennis, why are you wearing that clothes? Come on, man. You know better than that. Change your clothes. You know better than that. You know we don't do that. What's wrong with you anyway? I could do that. And he'd get the point. But I think there's a better way. I think the better way, you go up to Dennis and say, Dennis, how are you doing? How are you doing with God? What's your, what's your quiet time? What's your prayer life? What's, what's that like? How's your relationship with your parents? How, how's that going in your life? What's going on there? I think if he's honest, he'll tell me, well, um, I hear we're going to get rain tomorrow. He'll say, um, well, okay, you get the point. He's going to, he's going to, um, if I ask him how he's doing, he's, he's, he's going to want to change his subject. Or, or if, he can, if he'll be honest, he'll say, not so good. There's a place for us to approach situations in the church, whatever they are. There's a, absolutely a place. But the way to approach them is to care more about the person than the problem. The person behind that problem. There's a reason they're doing that. The question, and many times, many times the question is not, should not be, What's wrong with them as why are they doing that? <clears throat> Number six, again, a little more uh, defined. We need to be sure we are telling the truth. Everything we say is true, not stretching the truth, not exaggerating, not leaving out things we know should be said. We're telling the whole truth. Everything we say, it's the truth. And if anybody challenges us on that, we say the same thing every time. And we don't have to, we don't forget what we said. Because we always say the truth. The truth. And sometimes we need to ask questions about different things and situations. 
And we need to answer questions sometimes. Whether it be questions that come to us about us or there be questions about somebody else. But we always tell the truth. Very closely linked to that is gossiping. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I say we have a big problem with gossiping here. I don't know. Maybe you do have some. I don't know. I don't think you do. But if you do, I just want to, just want to touch this one a little bit and say gossiping. Gossiping is saying something about somebody that's not good and you don't even know if it's true or not. And it could even be true and still be gossip. It doesn't need to be said. It doesn't need to be said. Let me reinforce my point. That's what life is about. That's what life is about. And again, related to this, you could have a list a mile long. Number eight is be sure you're not deceitful in any way. Be sure you're not deceitful in any way. That's nobility. That's what life is about. That you are an open book. Ask me what you want. And I will answer you truthfully. Not deceptive. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But I'm going to paraphrase this next part. But an unwholesome tongue creates many problems. Or an untruthful tongue. Or a gossiping tongue. Or a loose tongue creates problems. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Proverbs twelve seventeen: He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Proverbs twelve eighteen: He there is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. You can speak, and it can just cut and shatter and hurt. The tongue can do that. James says, Who can tame the tongue? But a tongue that is wise is health. And that's what I hope I'm doing this morning to you and for you. I want you to understand your nobility. And you will not give up. If you can't fly, you run. If you can't run, you walk. If you can't walk, you crawl. But you keep moving and you never give up. But, uh, Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Pleasant words rest the honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier. This world, uh, I'll say world. It's, it's true, the whole world. But I'm going to even bring it down closer. This United States, and I'm not. I'm not a prophesying anything necessarily, but I can, I'm just repeating the words of Jesus. He said, things are going to wax worse and worse, and we are seeing those times. Okay, who are we going to be in those times? We can go down the same track. The world goes down and, and give up and, and just kind of throw up our hands. And My point is this. As the times get worse, there's going to be more. The, the devil is going to stronger and stronger and stronger uh, uh, give deception and be deceitful. It's going to be more and more deceitful and more, more deception, more and more unclear, more and more gray, more and more uh, subtleness. 
And just let me throw this word out to you. If something causes confusion, some idea, some thing somebody did or something, some if there's a question out there, should I do this or that or another, the other, whatever. If it causes confusion, stay away from it. If you might do something, whatever it might be, you might say, well, I think I'm going to do, go do this or do that. And it creates a, why did he do that? Why did she do that? And, and to try to find a good reason for it, it's just confusing. I don't know if I'm, I hope, getting the point. Stay away from it. If it causes confusion to your brother or your sister, or causes confusion in the church, or causes confusion in your heart, Stay away from it. And what I'm saying is, as the world gets worse and worse, there's going to be more and more confusing things that you're going to have to face. They're confusing. Stay away from it. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation or your manner of life only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is pure and holy in all things and all ways. Only let your manner of life be that way. That's what life is about. Then, Paul says, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what life is about. We're one, one spirit and one mind striving for the faith of the gospel. We're holding on to this faith. We're holding on to this truth. We're holding on to the Christian life. We're holding on to our, our, our Christian rep, uh, reputation. Uh, the, the things that make us who we are. The things that people see. We're holding on to these things in holiness and in purity. And we will not let them go. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Paul goes on, he says, Fulfill ye my joy and be ye like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one spirit. <coughs> Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind esteem each, esteem each, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let nothing be done through pride or deceit or conceit. Excuse me. Let nothing be done through self-ambition and contention. Nothing. But we're considering others as we go about our life. Let nothing be done but in lowliness of mind. Esteem others better than yourself. That's what life is about. Wow. It's a big calling. It's a high calling. But it's a calling that God asks us to do. And if He doesn't, and He never asks us to do something, He won't help us to go through. I'll tell you a story. One time there was a young man. He wanted to learn to play the violin. And he learned, and the one who was teaching him was a great master. This man was known to know what it took to play the violin. He was a master violinist. This young man wanted to learn. He went to this man and he began teaching and began learning under him. And he learned well. As 
many times they do. They have recitals of uh, the they'll they'll have the the the. The teacher will have all his students come and do a recital and the parents and whoever else wants to come, they listen. And just as an encouragement to the ones that are learning how to play, this one young man, he was good. He learned well. This master taught him well. He was quick to learn. He was able to do it. So he was giving his recital one evening. He played one song crowd applauded, cheered. It was good. <clears throat> but the young man didn't act quite right. There's something wrong. He just stood there. In this church, this place where they had this thing, there was a balcony. He kept looking up there. So he played another song, played another Peace and crowd cheered and applauded. It was he was good, but the young man he wasn't. Something wasn't right. He kept looking up the balcony. He just stood there. He didn't. You know, when somebody gives you a praise or accommodation for something, generally we thank them and we're appreciative and it's shown. We can they can see it on their face. We we appreciate that they do that. This young man, it wasn't happening. He just he wasn't hearing the crowd. He was looking for something else. He played another number. Same thing. He did his best. When he was all done, there was much cheering, much applauding, much of that. The young man kept looking up at the balcony. Finally, there was an old man up there. That old man nodded his head and smiled. And the boy relaxed. He could take the applause. He could, he could appreciate that they were giving him credit. That old man was the master violinist, his teacher. That's the way we want to be. We'll play our number as best as we can. And we may even get people saying good job. But what matters is the master. That's what life is about. My brothers and my sisters. Life is about gaining the approval of our master, of our king. That's what life is about. Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He goes through all these things that life is this and life is that and all these things in Ecclesiastes there. And he says, finally, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And he goes on. Many times we stop there, but there's another verse after that. He goes on, he says, he tells us why. 
He says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The whole matter is, let's fear God, keep His commandments, because someday God's going to bring every work into judgment. Peter says, Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. This is what life is about. And one more time. If we can't fly, we run. If we can't run, we walk. If we can't walk, we crawl. But we never stop moving and we never give up. That's what life is about. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning as we have attempted to share your word and share your heart and share principles, we've attempted to listen and hear. We pray, Lord, that the that the Spirit, your Holy Spirit, would take these things that are truth and apply them and implant them and instill them in our hearts. What life is about. Help us, Father, to be faithful. Always faithful. To always keep in mind. That our life is not our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore. Paul says glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Help us to do that Lord. Help us. Lead on O King Eternal. Lead on. We're with you. We're following you. We're looking to you. We're holding up our hand to you. And we're, we're inviting you and you will. You'll take our hand and we will follow. Help us, Lord. And I want to pray one more time for those people, those dear people over there. They're in hostage, in, in, in bondage. They've been taken hostage. Help them also to Father. Bear in mind, and they are, they are very clearly brought face to face with what life is about. Whether they live through this thing or whether they don't, and if they don't, it's the end. Now what life is about? What is life about now? I pray, Father, help us all to have the heart and spirit to receive from you, to receive truth, to be able to walk in it, to be willing to walk in it. And, Father, that someday we might hear the the grand, the most glorious of words that could ever be heard. Well done, good, faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys that I have to give you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Mark, for those thoughts, those warnings, that, that encouragement. Turn in your songbooks to number 894. You know, as you look in Psalms in the Bible, David wrote all these songs, and a lot of them start on a low note. Uh, you know, David's being chased by his 